the series last week, the same God, the fact that the God that we pray to, the God that we serve, the God that we read about in the Bible that did all these amazing things, he's the same God that we can lean on today, that we can call on today, that we can look to today. He hasn't changed the same character, the same power, the same nature. Last week, we kicked it off by looking at the fact that he's the same God who leads today like he led back then. And what we learned and what we're gonna look at throughout this entire series, and and that is fundamental, it's a foundational truth because everything we're gonna talk about, if we lose sight of this, we can lose sight of the whole point. So here it is. He is the same God, but that does not mean he always works in the same ways. So last week, we looked at the fact that he's still the God who leads. And we looked at the story of the people of Israel during the Exodus, and God led them by a pillar of cloud at day and a pillar of fire at night. But God doesn't lead very often with a pillar of cloud any longer. Like he did that once in human history thousands of years ago for a 40-year period of time. He did it uniquely then, but he still leads today. He just might not lead by a pillar of fire. So you might not wake up tonight at 11 o'clock and say, I don't know what to do. Oh, there's a pillar of fire. Now I know where to go. But God does lead by pillars. And we talked about those last week, five different pillars that he leads by. This morning, I wanna touch really quickly on the fact that he is still the God who provides today. He provides when you're in a place of deep need. When you don't have something to eat, when you don't have enough to pay the rent. When you're in this moment of desperation, the God who provided then throughout the scriptures is the same God who will provide today. He will meet your needs if you'll look to him, if you'll turn to him, if you'll ask him. That's why Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, wrote these words. He said, this same God, this God who took care of my needs will also supply your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. He's the same God. He met my needs, he met their needs, and he'll meet your needs. And yet so often we don't believe that because we sometimes overlook the fact that God wants to meet our needs. He just might not do it like he did it then. So to look at this a little bit deeper, I want to continue with the story of the Exodus that we looked at on last week. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at a section uh, from the uh, the book of Exodus. But before we get there, let me kind of set the background in case you're not familiar with the story. You weren't here last week. So the people of Israel, God's chosen people, had been in bondage to the Egyptians for some 400 years. And then God says, I want to lead you out of slavery. So he sends the great deliverer, Moses, and, uh, and God does some amazing things, and off they go, and God is leading them. He's leading them, as I said, by a pillar of cloud at day and a pillar of fire at night, and he's leading them along the way, and God leads them across the Red Sea. And then they cross over the Red Sea, and where does God lead them? He's leading them to the promised land, but he's leading them through the desert. It's dry, and it's arid, It doesn't grow much. And so when they left, these several hundred thousand, if not a million people, they leave and they bring some food with them. Well, if you're feeding that many people, the food's not gonna last that long. And sure enough, as they're walking through this wilderness, it's not very hospitable. It doesn't grow much. It doesn't support a lot of life. The food stores that they had begin to get depleted. And they start saying, you know, 
It was better back in Egypt. We had food to eat. But here's the thing. God wasn't leading them back to Egypt. God was leading them to something new. Yet so many times, what's true for those people then is true for us now. And maybe you've had this experience. When God leads you from something and he's leading you to something, before you get to the two, you have to go through something. And when you're going through that thing, you say, I liked where I was better than where I am. See, we say, how could the, how could the Israelites want to go back to Egypt? But I know people that were, their life was a wreck, a train wreck. God miraculously delivers them. And he says, now I've got something great for you down the road. And halfway through you go, I liked how my life was back then. But God doesn't want to lead you back to something. He wants to lead you to something new, something dynamic, something life-giving, a promise that he has, a purpose that he has, a plan that he has. But we want to look back to what we've lost instead of look forward to what God has for us. God never leads you back. He leads you forward. And he doesn't promise that going through that, he's not going to lead you through some dry times, some wilderness experiences. We go through a time where we don't have enough food and we go, we must have missed God. And he says, no, I've got you exactly where I want you. See, here's what I know. God doesn't promise an easy journey. He promises to meet your needs along the way. He promises that if you'll follow me on this journey where I lead you, I will meet every one of your needs. But if you say, I wanna go back, he'll let you go back. Two things, though. If you want to go back, one, he won't meet your needs on the way back. You're on your own. And when you get there, he won't be there. He'll be like the father of the prodigal son. He'll say, when you want to come back, I'll be here waiting. But I'm not going back there with you because that's not what I've called you to. So to look at this, I want to look at a section in the book of Exodus, chapter 16. We're just going to read some verses from this. So if you have your Bibles, you can read along. Otherwise, the verses will be up on the screen. So here's what it says. The whole community, all the Israelites, they complained to Moses. You brought us out into this desert to let us all starve to death. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to send you food from heaven. Each day, the people should go out and gather only what they need for that day. In the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, the ground was covered with a thin layer of flakes like frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked each other, what is this? Moses said, it's the food the Lord has given you. Gather as much as you can to eat, but do not keep any of it for the next day. But some of them didn't listen, and the next morning it was full of worms and it was rotten. On the sixth day, however, they were told to gather twice as much because Moses told them, tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. So save all that's left over and keep it until tomorrow. So they saved it, and on that day, it did not rot or have worms. The Israelites called the food manna. It was like coriander seeds. It was white and tasted like wafers made with honey. And the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to the promised land. So here we have God supernaturally, miraculously providing for the needs of the people. He is giving them food directly from the storehouse of heaven. He's saying, I'll feed you. It's going to be amazing. The people wake up and they say, 
How's God going to feed us? And they look around and there's this dew on the ground. And then the sun comes up and it begins to dry out the dew and it looks like there's frost everywhere. And they say, what is, they've never seen this before. What is this? What is, and Moses says, it's the food. What do they name the food? Manna. This is how clever they were. Do you know what manna means in Hebrew? What is it? What is it? I don't know. Let's, let's call it, what is it? Nobody had ever seen it before. Nobody knew what it was. But God said, I'm going to supernaturally provide for you. Now, here's the thing. Along the way, there were times where he also provided meat, usually in the form of quail, but he'd provide meat. If they were traveling and there was no water, God would provide water. They had this stone that they brought with them. And when they came to a place, if there was no water, there's no fresh water that they could drink, Moses would hold his staff over the rock and water would come out. But primarily for 40 years, they ate manna. They could bake it, they could boil it, they could make all kinds of things out of it. They could do anything they wanted with it, except save it. And it was this amazing thing. It provided all the nutrients, all the vitamins, all the protein that they needed. And God said, for 40 years, every day, I will meet your needs. So I want to look really quick at five amazing truths that we see in this story. The first is this. God wants to provide for your daily needs. They could do anything they wanted with the manna except save it. If they saved it, the next day it would go bad. It would be rotten, except on the day before the Sabbath, then they had, could, could collect two. But you couldn't hoard it. Even if you saved it for the next day because it was the Sabbath, the day after that, it would go bad. You couldn't hoard it. You couldn't just build up a supply and say, now I've got enough to last me for five years. So now if God doesn't provide my daily needs, I don't have any problems because I have enough in savings. Now, does that mean God doesn't want you to save in the name of Jesus? No, it doesn't. Save. You should save. You should prepare. You should have some things in your bank account. What God is getting to, trying to drive home to the people for 40 years is this. Don't trust in your savings. Trust in your savior. Trust in your provider. See, if you trust in your savings and the economy tanks, if you trust in your savings and you lose everything, if you trust in your savings and it rots away and the worms come in and moths come in and destroy, if somebody comes in and steals it, you've got nothing. And everything that you had your confidence in is gone. But if you trust in your Savior and you lose everything, you haven't lost anything because your confidence is in the one who provides what you need every day. That's why Jesus in Matthew 6 talks about don't store up treasure in heaven where someone comes steal it and moss can destroy it and fire can damage it. He said, store up treasure in heaven where your Savior is, where your Lord is, where your God is, where your heavenly Father is is. So he's not against saving. He's against looking at yourself as the source instead of looking at God, looking to God as your provider. The other thing is this, this is not a call to passivity, right? All you got to do is pray, kick up your feet on the lazy boy and say, let it come. Let the manna flow. You say, well, isn't that kind of what happened? I mean, God said it provided the manna was there. Yeah. And what do they have to do every day? Gather it up. Every day they had to work. Every day they had to put effort in. Every day they had to take it, bake it, boil it, do something with it, steam it. I don't know what they did. They made pasta out of it. They did something with it, right? They, they, did, they did something. They put effort in. They put work in. God expects us to put effort in. 
He doesn't say, just pray, ask me to supply your needs and don't do anything. He says, now, I am going to provide. I want you to be invested in the work that I'm doing. See, God expects you and he expects me to put in the effort, but to trust him with the results. Today, I gathered what I needed. Today, I put some work in. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna be, but I'm trusting that God, tomorrow you'll provide what I need if I put the work in today that you've asked me to put in. And so for 40 years, God provides manna from heaven. For 40 years, water comes from a rock. But it's not just that. See, at the end of these 40 years, Moses is about to die. He knows that. The people are gonna enter into the promised land. Joshua's gonna lead them in. Moses knows he's about to die. And here's what he tells the people in the book of Deuteronomy. He says, for 40 years, I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and your sandals did not wear out. You ate no bread and drank no wine or any other alcoholic drink, but he, God, provided for you so that you would know that he is the Lord your God. God didn't just say, I'm gonna provide the food that you need. He said, I'm gonna provide for your physical needs. For 40 years, your clothes don't wear out. Your sandals don't get worn down. You're walking through a wilderness for 40 years. None of that happens. They very often didn't have a clean water source. The reason people drank so much wine and alcohol back then was because the water would also be, uh, often be contaminated and have parasites in it. And so alcohol would kill those things off. And he says, for 40 years, you walked through the wilderness and none of those things bothered you. I provided clean, pure water for 40 years because I wanted you to know that I will meet your needs, your physical needs, because I am God. Look to me as your source. So here's the next thing. Why does God provide? God provides for you because he cares God doesn't just provide because he's got nothing better to do. See, one of the great themes throughout the Bible, over and over and over again, what God says to us through story after story, through truth after truth, through uh, word after word, is that you matter to God. You and I matter to God. He's not some distant, capricious, uncaring God. He's a God who knows what you're going through. He understands your situation. If something matters to you, it matters to him. If you care about something, he cares about it. He's in on the details of your life. So in the book of Matthew, Jesus is talking. He says, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. Look at the field. All those things are cared for. And if your heavenly father cares for all of creation like that, how much more do you think he cares for you who were created in his image and were created to be in relationship with him? He cares about the details of your life. So Jesus later on in the book of Matthew 6 says this, so do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body and what you will wear. Your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows, listen, the people who heard Jesus say these words were Jewish. They were intimately acquainted with the story of the Exodus. When he said this, the food that you'll eat, the water you'll drink, the stuff that you'll wear, they immediately made the connection back to the story of the Exodus. 40 years, food, 40 years, water, 40 years, our clothes didn't wear out. 
And if that wasn't enough, when some of his followers asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray. John taught his followers how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Jesus instructs them and he gives them the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he adds these words, give us this day our daily bread. Again, linking it back to the story of the Exodus. Every day we need manna. Every day we need you to provide. Every day we have to look to you as our source. Why? Because you care for us. You care about us. There are some of you who are convinced that God doesn't care. That God doesn't care about you, that you don't matter to God. Stop, stop, stop saying that in the name of Jesus. You matter to God. He's the same God who cared about those people then who cares about you now. But you don't know what I've been through. He cares about you. But you don't know what I've gone through. You matter to him. You can give me every excuse and every story and every justification, but at some point you have to stop telling yourself that you don't matter to God or you have to stop telling yourself that he's the same God. Because if he's the same God, if they mattered to him then, you matter to him now. And if he's not the same God, well, then you can get away with the lie. But you can't have both. He's either the same unchanging God, and you matter to him, or he's a changing God who picks his favorites. And he's not. You matter to God. Here's the next thing. God provides beyond your physical needs. Listen, God cares if you have food. He cares if you have clothes. He cares if you have water. But God also looks at those deep needs in your life. When you're lonely and you need a friend, when you're afraid and you need peace, when you've messed up and you need forgiveness, when you're distressed and you need comfort, when you feel rejected and you need love. God says, I know what you need. And if you'll ask me, God, today, give me what I need. I'm asking you, give me the strength to get through today. Give me the wisdom to get through this situation. If you'll turn to him, if you'll ask of him, if you'll trust him, He'll meet those needs. God, give me the insight to be the parent that I need to be today. Give me the ability to have self-control so that my emotions don't get the best of me today. Give me the insight on how to be the husband or the wife so that my marriage can grow today. If you'll turn to God and ask him for the things you need, He'll give them to you. Or you could say, I'll figure it out on my own. It's what I've always done. And you'll get what you've always got. Here's the next thing. God promises to provide your needs, not your wants. Now, this is so, so, so very important. Listen, if God gives you a roast beef dinner, praise God. And if he gives you bread to eat, praise God. See, we live in a day and age and in a culture where we keep pushing further and further and, and higher and higher the line of what we believe our needs are. I need to live at a certain lifestyle. 
I need to drive a certain car. I need to go on a certain type of vacation. I need to have certain furniture. I need to wear certain clothes. I need to have a certain kind of house. And we blur the line between what we need and what we want. And what we, what we need to do is ruthlessly and honestly make sure we understand the line of demarcation because there is a point at which our needs are separate from our wants. So what are our needs? Well, we need food to eat. We need clothes to wear. We need shelter. We need clean water to drink. We need access to medical care. We need basic communication. We need some type of transportation. Those are your needs. You know what your wants are? I want an iPhone, an iWatch, Nikes, Vans. I want designer clothes. Wants are things like, I don't know, getting a manicure or a pedicure or having a lawn service or buying a house. Listen, we just did children dedication. You know what is not a need, but it's a want? To have children. If you have them, it's a blessing. I'm not, I'm not dissing that. But I'm telling you, you can live a full, meaningful life. Never wear a ring on your finger. Never hold a child in your arms. Those are wants and they're not needs. And I know some of you are saying, but those things are really important to me. They're like part of my life values. They're goals in my life. I understand that. Believe me, I do. But just because something's important to you doesn't make it a need. And I know some of you, that's not fair. That's not fair. It's not about fair. It's about grace. See, God says, I'll meet your needs out of my grace. And there are times where I'll even meet your wants out of that same grace. But don't expect it. Expect me to meet your needs, but don't expect me to meet your wants. Unless it's a sub from Jersey Mike's or a cheeseburger from Five Guys. <laughs> Those things we should always expect. No, listen, to, there's, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with wants. Just don't confuse a lobster dinner with your daily bread. They're, they're not the same. And then the last truth is this. Knowing God provides for you allows you to meet the needs of others. Once you get a hold of that, God will meet my daily needs. It frees you to then say, God can use me now to meet the needs of others because he's my source. I'm not my source. I meet a lot of people who say, I wanna help people, but I can't afford you. Yes, you can. You're just consuming everything on yourself to meet your own needs and your own wants instead of saying, my God will supply all my needs. And if God will supply my needs and I see a need that someone else has, I may be the source at which that need will be met. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not singular, it's plural. It's, it's plural, which means the greatest, one of the great truths in that is that if you're praying that prayer, someone else is probably praying that prayer at the same time, which means if you have a need for daily bread that God's gonna provide, he may lay it on your heart to be the source to provide for someone else's daily bread. I'll tithe when I can afford it. 
Here's what I'll tell you. A tithe, 10% of what you earn back to the local church. If you're going to wait to tithe until you can afford it, you'll never tithe. Because you can never afford it. Because it's not about being able to afford it. It's about seeing God as your source and your provider. It's about trust. I knew a guy who was a trust fund baby. I mean, his great-granddaddy started a bank, a very good bank. And so he had a very healthy trust fund where when he turned a certain age, every year he'd get a certain amount of money. It's more than I earn every year. And I remember talking to him, and he, young, he's younger than me. He was, in his, uh, he was in his early 20s at this point. I was in my mid-30s, and he said, hey, you know, I was thinking, if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to give it all away. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, they'd run, they'd, why did you give it all away? Oh, because I wanted to bless other people. And I said, you'll never give it away. He said, of course I would. I said, all right, then give your trust fund away. And he looked at me. I'm not doing that. I said, exactly. Exactly. You'll never give your tithe. You'll never be the source. You'll never help others. If you convince yourself, I'll only do it when I can afford it. Because then you're not looking at God to provide your daily bread. You're looking at you. You're saying, can I provide enough for me? See, if you're worried about not having enough, then you're not seeing God as your provider. He's the same God who provided for 40 years bread and water and clothes. The same God who did that for them will do it for you. So here's my question. How many of us every day pray, give us this day our daily bread? I would, I would surmise that most of us don't pray that every day. Most of us say, I've got enough in my pantry, in my freezer, in my bank account, in my checking account. I don't need God to provide my daily bread. What we do is we pray to God for our personal wants. And as long as we only go to God for our wants, instead of trusting him with our needs, we'll never be able to be that source to meet the needs of others. Go to him, trust him, ask him to provide for your daily needs so that he can use you to do amazing things in the hearts and lives of others. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, God, and I'm asking by your Holy Spirit, would you begin to stir some stuff in us? People can make comments, throw off some attitude, say this isn't for me, or you don't know, you can't possibly understand. Okay, I don't know and I don't possibly understand but the God who created everything and everyone and knows the intimate details of our lives, surely you know, surely you understand, surely you have the insight. You were despised and rejected of men. You were beaten and whipped. You were lied about and mistreated. You understand the human condition better than any of us. And you said, give us this day our daily bread. So God, I'm asking, would you help us to see you as our source, to see you as our provider? God, if you're challenging some of us to step out of those comfort zones, then challenge us. If you're calling others, others of us to stop convincing ourselves that you don't care about us, then God, change how we talk, change how we think, change how we believe. God, for some of us, it's simply every day falling to our knees and crying out, give us this day 
our daily bread. And then getting up and gathering, working for what it is that you've put before us. Let's stand now together and worship the Lord.